electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, Bitcoin showing signs of life despite another major crypto hack, climbing back to $7,000. And the founder of Litecoin will be here to explain why he says the crypto universe is about to moon. Plus, Fox Hunt is on as Comcast and Disney battle for the best bid. Who will win and who will the loser buy instead? The traders play a special game of matchmaker. But first, we start off with Fang Gone Wild. Q90's spring break music because these stocks are out of control. As the Nasdaq closes at a record high, all four names hitting fresh all-time highs today. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google all up double digits in the past month, with Netflix the leader of the pack above 400 bucks a share. So we thought it'd be perfect time to play a little game here. We like games, right? Kick it off right at the top. Trade it or fade it, Fang style. So, Pete, we're going to kick it off with you and Facebook. <laughs> you know, trade it or fade it. I know. We were playing the music for a while. Playing the music and Guy was dancing. Oh, and we music. didn't show it because you can't unsee things. Oh, stop, 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 stop. It's like the gopher. <laughs> all right. From Caddy Shack. Caddy Shack. Yes. Look at him. He's got all the moves. Facebook. Hey, I'm going to say trade it. And the reason I say trade it, I like, I like Facebook already. You look at the forward PE on this stock, it's trading at a 21. All it's done is go up, up, up. Ever since all the security issues, everybody was so concerned. Stock went to 150. Here it is over $200 a share. I think there's a lot of different interesting things if you go back to the last earnings. They really crushed it once again, which they always seem to do. I mean, their numbers, you look at the ad revenue, what they're doing there. But today, they actually had another announcement. They're going right after YouTube. Now, remember we talked about Snap long ago. Tried to buy Snap. Didn't work out. What did he do? Mark Zuckerberg created Instagram, right? They buy Instagram, and they absolutely have exploded with that. Well, now Instagram's going to go to the video side and go head-to-head with YouTube. That's going to be huge. This stock is still very, very cheap. And they got a billion users, Instagram does, uh, yep. as they announced Pete, Everything Pete said is spot on at 100%. Now, uh, in full disclosure, when it was trading 155 after the whole Cambridge Analytica thing, I thought it was going to flounder for a while, if yeah. not go lower from there. So clearly the last 30%, and that's what it's up, I think 30 to 35%, I've been wrong. But you have to ask yourself, the move of this magnitude over this period of time, is it justified? Valuation, absolutely. And, and that has been the argument for Facebook forever. But I still think there's got to be some headline risk as we go into the next earnings. So what is, that, what, is, wait, what is that? Fade it or trade it? Oh, I'm playing a game now? Anybody <laughs> who participates No, so, so, yeah, so yeah, yeah. given For what you. I just said, I would say fade it. But I said fade it a while ago, too, so I've been wrong it. I just wanted to be clear about it. Karen, what do you think about Facebook? I agree with everything you said. But are you fading it? I'm trading it. Oh, there you go. I'm trading it. Everything he said is true. I mean, clearly you had that Cambridge Analytica just disaster. Remember, though, the market was down quite a bit mm-hmm. during that time. From the day before Zuckerberg was on the Hill, that next morning it was off to the races, and then we had that huge earnings number. I, I don't see how, I mean, to me, even though it's moved a lot, the valuation is not crazy, the growth is extraordinary. Well, I think you, got, you got to continue to own it here, so that's trade it. Next stock, Amazon, Dan Nathan, Whoa. trade it or fade it? 
Well, I'm just going to be in guys camp. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you know, there's a stock that's made how many new highs in the, over the last year. It's up almost 100% over the last um, two years. So every time you said to fade it, you've been wrong here. Um, but to me, I just don't buy stocks on runaway breakouts like this. I think that this goes for Facebook, too. There's just unusually uh, positive sentiment in all of these names right now. And I've never seen anything like it in 20 years in the business. And you could have said that at most points, again, in the last year. And this is a stock that's up 50%. Facebook's up 30-some percent. You Google's up. 20 percent. You know, I've just never seen anything like it. And we have technician after technician come on and tell us that these five stocks or four stocks, whatever they are, that make up three, four trillion dollars in market cap are equal to the bottom 250 in the S&P that have done nothing. And we're just saying trade it, trade it, trade it. So to me, at some point, you know, the chickens are going to come home to roost. But when you have guys like Paul Tudor Jones last week or whatever, say we're going to melt up at the end of the year, I don't know how you wouldn't expect all of those stocks, these FANG stocks, to melt up with it. So to me, I'm a reluctant fade it. A reluctant that was a lot. fade it. So, <laughs> yeah. All of that and to all get to. Well, I mean, because so they go higher. Does he, every does he day. put the graph up? Did we already put know. the graph Well, that's a good up? question. Yeah. They go higher every day. And for, for a lot of market participants, they are looking for some sort of growth. And they think that FANG is idiosyncratic growth. So they're piling into this sector and it keeps going higher and higher. At what point do you say, you know, I, I need to pull the ripcord here, or you just go with what the market is telling you? If to you're go asking with. for. What day, what would I be looking for in terms of the reason to pull the ripcord? Yeah. It would be a move to the upside on ridiculous amount of volume, ridiculous being anywhere from four to six times normal volume, on a day where the, maybe the market goes up marginally. Maybe that could be sort of the blow off top. We haven't seen that, though. We haven't right. seen that in What any I'd be days. looking for would be to see Amazon finally start to see a little bit more of a dent in the AWS from Microsoft, from all, from all the different competitors who have that a piece of that pie. And right now, it's Amazon. But they own of, it. In terms of growth? In terms of... Yeah, they've okay. already... That's already started to yeah, decelerate some of that growth. Senate, but I'm talking about market share Senate if they lose it. so positive right now on a stock like Amazon. I'm just going to play devil's advocate that. If you saw margins start to decline and you start market share gains by Microsoft or some of these guys in the public cloud, then people would start to focus and they'd say, you know what? You know, you know what percentage of e-commerce is of the total retail sales in the U.S.? But they don't make Not, money no, on no, e-commerce. But who cares? Because, oh, no, that's a big but, deal. But what I'm saying AWS is, is where I, Amazon but I makes their but money, as the though. pie gets bigger, I mean, you could make the argument that they're going to still have a you know, high 20s gross margin on this business that's going to be decelerating growth. You expect it to decelerate at some point, but they're going to continue to grow tons of share in the retail space. That's the flip side of this, too. So I think you're going to have this going back and forth no matter what. It's going to take a change in market sentiment. It's going to take a, a meaningful, um, I think, recession and, and, a, and a pullback in the market for people to give up these stocks. It's just that simple. Yeah, well, I, I just, of all the stocks in the FANG, that one scares me the most, really? by far. And, and the reason I say that is, you look at it on a valuation would perspective. Would you fade it, or would you oh, reluctantly I, trade it? I would reluctantly, but fade it. Okay. Kind of what Guy, I think, yeah. did with Facebook yeah. eventually when he got yeah. to right. the point. I know, but I said that. <laughs> oh, the game asked me. is confusing, as we know. Well, because trade it means you're Why is every game confusing? It's very simple. Trade it you're buying buy it. it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But, 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 exactly. All right. You're trading it. You're, 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 you're putting the trade on or you're fading it. You're saying that this game has. Okay, guys. I get it. You don't like this game. We're still going to play. Netflix is the next stock. Guy, you're up. Trade it. See, I answer the question first, and they put the graph. Trade it. Put that little banner up. Boom.
face. Hold on, I said face. <laughs> See, now they're messing with me. Now they did that just to mess with me. Okay. Uh, hey. Thank you. What has David Faber been covering so so well over the last couple of weeks? What? Well, the media merger. The media, media. mergers. Yeah. Do you think it's coincidence? I don't believe in coincidence. And Netflix has basically gone up $40 since this whole thing. No. Why is that? Because I think the reason why everybody wants these Time War, these, these Fox assets, is because they want to get the piece of, they want to get controlling piece of Hulu and they want to be able to complete with Netflix. They can't do it. Reed Hastings has done such a great job. He's got a five-year head start. I think Netflix continues to rally in their earnings on July 16th. So once again, emphatically traded. And they've got global content, and they're improving in their margins, and they have incredible cash flows. Yes, it trades at a high multiple, but this one shows you all the things that you would like to see on a stock that's going higher, and that's where I disagree in terms of Amazon. Okay, Amazon's still free. Can I, I ask mean, you a question on Netflix? One of the knocks on this Disney acquisition of Time Warner is that they're going to have to spend three, maybe of four. Fox, right? Uh, of Fox, uh, yeah. sorry. Uh, 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 right. They're going to spend three or $4 billion on original content when we know that Netflix has already told us that they're going to spend $8 billion this year and that only goes up every year. And that's one of the reasons to be negative on that um, acquisition. You know, no, this was the AT&T Time Warner deal. Uh, that, that, oh. that was one of the big criticisms. That's why I think not one of the reasons why Moffitt Nathan downgraded AT&T afterwards. So if you're telling me a $180 billion market cap company that burns cash the way they do, that they're going to be able to compete with these behemoths once all this stuff is said and done. I mean, I don't know if you fade it right now. I, at some point, I just, you know, I, this thing can't go on. I can on tell you, you don't way. fade it last Tuesday right. or whenever I did for like, oh, a, you, you know, a day. Yeah. And that, I just like walking into a buzzsaw just covered, I think that Goldman put out a whatever, $490 billion yeah. price target Zillion. maybe. Something yeah. like that. I wouldn't get in the way of that. Yeah. I mean, when you take a look at the media mergers and you got to wonder, I mean, if Netflix is the one trying to defend its position, do you want to be long a stock that is defending its well, position well, in the well, light well, of... I don't even know if they're defending. I think they yeah. dominate. If you're saying that they, Amazon dominates and we know that they do, I think Netflix dominates. They have twice the the watching hours of so Amazon or its competition. Trading it, baby. Oh, absolutely. Trading trade it, it okay, right there you. with you, big dog. Ding. Come on. Yeah, bring it All on. Right. Double ding. For you, too. I started He's the whole started. thing. All right. <laughs> Last but not least, Google. <laughs> Thank you. Karen. <laughs> I traded. I'm long it. I mean, I think, you know, it's had a very nice run. I was said they'd had an all-time high today, and I guess it was on the Instagram billion. You Again, know, with the wrong, wrong look. See, they messed it up. Trade it. Trade it. See, they trade don't even it. know she owns it. it. I own it. Okay. That means I'm they, don't, it. they don't know what they're doing in the control. They yell at us <laughs> because we play the game wrong, and they're sitting back in EC yelling at each other, putting up the wrong I, the I, think you're, I think you're confusing them. Who's I'm confusing them? <laughs> uh, uh, the last time Alphabet traded 1,200, it failed and it went straight to 1,000 over the next month and a half. It got back to that. It filled in that gap. It's gone. You know, this is the one that people feel like it's got the great valuation support. They have what six, seven properties with over a billion users, that sort of thing. I, you know, again, it's the cheapest one of all of them. And, the and valuation's I get, not at all crazy. And that's I, I didn't say it once, Karen. And you already had your turn. I'm just saying. You know? This I is mean, my turn. Oh, it's your turn? <laughs> it's she looked at me. What? <laughs> you look like you wanted to say something. Yeah, so do you think okay, the stock's going to break out? I think it is breaking no, out, no, yes. No, it just failed at the prior. That's what I just said. It just failed at the prior high. No, it went through the so prior high. It. I know, but it closed on the low today. So when it trades there, it closes on the low at the prior I, high for three months ago. That's probably one of the worst technical setups I'm not that a, you could get. So you I'm are fading it. Fading it. Fading it. Fading it. Hey, you think we're done with Fang, right? We rounded out. No. Like bonus it. round. Oh, I like the bonus. Bonus, bonus Jonas. Like the Jonas Brothers. There's a little one. He's the bonus Jonas. <laughs> Wait, okay. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. Bonus round. Twitter. 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 Trade it or fade it, Pete. 
I trade it because I actually own I own calls in Twitter. I think this is going higher. I got out of square. Thought I'd hit the top, but I didn't. It continues to go higher. But I flipped into the other Jack stock. I went into Twitter. Dan, um, listen, I just I said this about Snap the other day. I think when you look at the market caps of these properties, there's very few social properties that have the sort of monthly and daily active users that Twitter and Snap have. I think they're just too cheap. Even though I don't mean on a valuation basis, I just mean for somebody who wanted to acquire an asset with this sort of users on a social basis. So I'm trading it. Thank nice. you, Dan. Well, you got you got the hang of the game. <laughs> And now we're at the end of it. <laughs> Coming up, check out shares of Micron. The stock is volatile following its earnings report. Uh, now higher on strong guidance. We'll tell you what it means for the chip rally. Plus, the founder of Litecoin says something just happened that's going to propel crypto to the moon. Charlie Lee will join us to tell us what that is. And later, the chase for Fox is on. And top media analyst Rich Greenfield says he knows who's going to win the bidding war. Oh, really, Rich? Do tell. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Micron seeing a big reversal in the after-hour session. Aditi Roy's in San Francisco with the latest. Aditi. Hi there, Melissa. Shares of the semiconductor company are up uh, on just under 3%, but the stock has been on a tear this year. Shares were initially down after the earnings report first crossed, but they flipped on the company's guidance. Micron guided for Q4 revenues of $8 billion to $8.4 billion versus analyst expectations of $8.07 billion. And the chipmaker also forecasts Q4 EPS at $3.30 plus or minus $0.07 cents versus analyst expectations of $3.22. Here's the company's CFO, Dave Zinzer, on the call talking about the guidance. The market for our products continues to be robust, and we are executing well on our strategy. We therefore expect sequential revenue growth again in the fourth quarter. We expect revenue to be in the range of $8 billion to $8.4 billion, gross margins to be in the range of 59% to 62%. Operating expenses are expected to be $750 million, plus or minus $25 million. And based on a share count of approximately 1.23 billion shares, these results should drive EPS of $3.30, plus or minus $0.07. Cents. And we were talking about the company's stock. It has been on a tear this year with up more than 90% year over year. It's been driven by higher prices for their products. While some analysts have questioned whether those prices will continue to stay high along with demand, the company's CEO believes demand will stay high, boosted by data center trends along with cloud computing companies building out their IT infrastructure. Melissa, they were really listening closely uh, on that guidance. All right, Aditi, thank you. Aditi Roy in San Francisco. All right, Pete, you're long this name. Yeah, and you know what? It music in my ears, right? Quite frankly, because early on we saw the stock actually dip towards 58, and then all of a sudden we see this rally back. I, you look at the stock, no matter what you say, it's an inexpensive stock, but it always comes down to guidance. And what do things look like going forward? Well, that guidance looked fantastic to me. And when you look at a stock that's trading $60, it trades about seven times PE right now, and you look at what their cash flows are, this is really strong. And I think that demand, according to what they're saying, their CFO and others, This demand they expect to last for a few years. So if that's the case, now how can they look out that far, I know. But I think this stock is still way undervalued. I still think there's plenty of upside. Do we extrapolate this across the chip space? I don't, I, or what the, pockets do we you extrapolate can, but this I think more, This is a Micron story. I believe it is. So May 31st, Morgan Stanley downgrades the stock. We had a whole conversation, yep. but they left the price target at 65 bucks. The stock sold off pretty significantly that day. But you go back and look about a month or so ago, 
They announced a $10 billion share of purchase, Micron, which is a significant portion of their market cap. If this was as cyclical a business as it used to be, in my opinion, they wouldn't be putting their money where their mouth is like they are. So I think they've sort of changed their business model a little bit. And I'm with Pete. I think, although historically low valuation not might be a reason to buy it, in today's world, I think it is. I think it's probably, I mean, good for all the chip names. For me, I'm an Intel I think, you know, we'll see. We, I guess we don't have earnings for a little while for those, but this is pretty impressive, I got to say, and that P multiple is enticing. I'm so used to cyclicality. Oh. Uh, oh, I mean, the stock uh, has never did traded. Did you let me finish the sentence? Oh, sorry. Okay, I'm so used <laughs> no, to No, I know, but it's the third guy on the desk who yeah. said it. It's not enticing. <laughs> Why? It's never traded at a double-digit PD. It just never has. It's the most cyclical company in all of, in the PC and the smartphone supply chain. And listen, you know, that guidance wasn't, Dramatically, you know, above expectations. They've got a gross margins exactly where uh, consensus was. Um, the EPS beat fine. It's kind of in the middle of the range. So here's the thing you think about as we head into the, the fall, you know, is there a lot of double ordering for memory? We know that the supply has been tight at different stages when we've seen iPhone upgrades. Apple's almost a 10% customer there. So to me, I don't think this is like a, a pound the table. But 10%, that, that, so that's a very limited exposure. I mean, we talk about it in a positive way as well, so I get it. Right. I mean, we can flip it around and say, hey, they, they, they feed into the eye. But it's really the data center, right? Don't you agree sure. that it's data so, center cloud, that so side of it? Really really I think you guys have going for you with the trade. In late March, when they reported, they actually had a pretty good quarter in guidance, and the stock sold up 8% the next day. And then it ended up going down about 25% over the next month and a half. Now we've come all the way back to this level. The fact that we're seeing little volatility up or down a few percent, I think that's good. It's at the prior highs here. So it seems like people are more inclined to buy it into the second half of the year than they were at the end of the first quarter. So, you know, the fact that it's not trading down 5 6 7% on a beat and a raise, or I don't know if it's much of a raise, is probably fine for you guys. He's fading it. But, That's a monster Can I say one thing, though? You talk yeah, about okay, the last word. We're at like 5 or 6. I know. And not it, 10. But it always, That's a huge okay, difference. Okay, so you remember when the stock went to 40 and every hedge fund was buying the crap out of it five years ago, four years ago, and then it lost 80% of its value. It was also trading at the highs at a high single digits P.E. And you know where the P.E. went when it went all the way down to the mid single digits. And now it's back up at seven. So the stock can move around down 70, up 100 percent. Who cares? It's, it's one of the most cyclical names in all of technology. I think it and used to be. I don't think it. I think the 10 billion dollar, in my opinion, I know we're running into a commercial. Yes. Believe yes, me, I know. And we're me. almost in Kramer's <laughs> show. But I think the 10 billion buyback suggests that it's not as cyclical He'll as be it was five years ago. <laughs> there you go. Coming up, big media companies are scrambling to make a deal, and top media analyst Rich Greenfield says he knows how it's going to all play out. He will join us next. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. There have been four quarters that you have been presiding over. On three of those four quarters, you have cut your forecast. You're from Juniper. You understand technology. You know this isn't right. How could you be out of three out of four cutting your forecast? Kevin, you would be furious at yourself. I don't hear you even being upset. I'm sorry. So sorry. It was the interview that took down Starbucks shares. But one of the traders says investors should be buying, not selling. And you won't believe how high he sees it going. Plus, the founder of Litecoin, Charlie Lee, says something just happened that's about to send crypto to the moon. And he'll be here to tell us what that is when Fast Money returns.
Welcome back to Fast Money. The fox hunt heating up as Disney raises its bid. Our Leslie Picker joins us from the newsroom with the very latest in this saga. Hi, Leslie. Hey, Melissa. I think Mario Gabelli summed up the feeling among most Fox shareholders when he said on CNBC earlier that he's doing what he always does at a great opera, and that is applaud the participants and urge them to carry on. And you can see why this bidding war between Disney and Comcast has generated an additional $20 billion for Fox shareholders, and it may not be done yet. This morning, Disney announced a higher offer for much of 21st Century Fox valued at $38 a share as opposed to Disney's prior $28 all stock bid. This one allows investors to choose between cash or stock. An overall mix that Disney is expecting will be about 50-50 cash and stock. In a statement today, Fox said they believe the Disney offer to be quote, superior to the one made by Comcast on June 13th. That proposal was worth about $35 per share in cash. Now, both Comcast and Disney are seeking to acquire most of 21st Century Fox, which includes its film and TV studio, cable networks like Nat Geo and FX, and its regional sports networks. Comcast, the parent company of CNBC, declined to comment on Disney's new offer. But the structure of the deal that Disney unveiled this morning actually surprised many investors I spoke with, both in the price and the addition of a so-called collar on the stock consideration. This essentially helps Disney keep the $38 a share price tag by using options as the stock price fluctuates before the close, Melissa. All right, Leslie, thank you. Leslie Picker from the newsroom. So as the multiple rounds of bidding continue for Fox, we thought we'd play a little matchmaker with our traders. But there's a twist this time, and you guys have to listen very carefully because I know you're very challenged when it comes to the game department. Each of our traders will pick who they think will win the Fox deal, Disney or Comcast, and then decide who would make the perfect match with the other company. Clear? Clear. Clear so. is all right. Is it clear first? Clear is. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta. Be, you you can observe how it's played. Oh good. good. Pete yeah. will begin. If I do it right, yeah. Who will win? Disney. Fox. Disney's Disney gonna win. win. I think Disney's okay. gonna win. I think that they, the deal wants to get done with Disney for a variety of different reasons, and I think part of it is the legacy, and I think that's that's why Disney's gonna win. I think eventually it's gonna get very close. Yeah. And I, I'm sure we're gonna hear back, and Comcast's gonna have a very raised bit, but I think eventually Disney does win out. Okay, so Disney wins. I think Netflix is too expensive. I think Viacom is too complicated, too many hurdles. So for me, it's gonna be Lionsgate. It just provides, you know, the loser, Comcast in this particular case, they get the films, they get TV, they get over the top, they get a lot of different things. And I think it's a great match. Yeah. He does a mean Tevia, by the way, for real. I can do a heck of a Tevia. I'm sure you can. Maybe we'll we'll do that a little bit later on in the show. That's a tease. What do you think about Lionsgate? We've had Michael Burns on many times. You know the way. You know, think about where Lionsgate was seven or eight years ago. It was an $8 stock, right? We had Mr. Icon going after him seemingly every day in the media, and Michael Burns stuck to his guns. Now it's a stock that Pete Najarian is talking about being taken over by potentially Comcast. Come a long way. So... I'm with you 100%. I'm not going to give away the ghost here, as they say. Mm, yeah. But I'm with Pedro 100%. Okay. Uh, Karen, it's yes. your turn. Okay. Who wins? Who wins? I actually think Disney wins also for a couple of reasons. The regulatory head start is potentially meaningful. The cash stock element is the stock part is enticing to Rupert from a tax standpoint. The cash for shareholders who want cash. It also allows them to not take on as much debt as Comcast as they can issue shares. Comcast doesn't want to issue their shares at this low level. Makes me think maybe Disney's comfortable issuing their shares at this level. I don't know what that tells us about their belief in Disney stock. However, I think that they win. So where does that leave Comcast? I actually think instead of looking at at this kind of content like a CBS or a Lionsgate, 
Activision going for the game. I think actually Activision would be a better hit for Disney, but trying to be a good player of this game. Very good I player think so far. Activision would be an interesting acquisition for somebody who's looking for content. A number of analysts have said that getting into the video game space would make a lot of sense, especially with the legalization of sports betting. It sort yeah. of opens up a whole other stream. It's interesting. We've, we've all talked about it a lot. And, uh, you know, look at Electronic Arts with a $45 billion market cap. That would be a great fit for Disney when you think about the sports and some of the other franchises that they have with, between Star Wars and, and Battlefront at EA. But that's a deal that would have to get done at $60 billion. And we're talking about these media companies that have sales like that are 5x of what um, like an EA has. So to me, um, it makes sense in a perfect world where people don't have to take on tons of debt to do these sorts of deals. It just doesn't seem maybe that likely at the end of the day. Okay, well then, Dan, it's your turn. Okay. Um, I'm just going to be really quick. I agree with Disney for the exact reasons that you said. I think the the the, the shares, the, you know, the stock versus um, cash for the Murdochs. Um, I also think the regulatory head start. This seems to be the narrative, and we're probably all going to be wrong. Um, Comcast's going to do something. Uh, and then the other thing I would say is that I would not think about um, Disney and Fox, what Comcast has to do. I would almost think about what AT&T and Time Warner have just done. So I suspect um, a move that Comcast must be thinking about is a merger of equals possibly with Verizon um, and really going after that kind of model rather than just the pure content and then the OTT model. Which I mean, is what doubling down on, on, on what they already have. Yeah. Well, it's a different distribution. I mean, the AT&T, you could have made that same argument, and that was a deal that they hotly pursued for a whole host of reasons, and they got it done. So who is AT&T's uh, biggest rival forever? It's been Verizon, um, and these are vertical deals. And I think that uh, I'm sure the people over at Verizon can't think that Randall Stevenson's has got his head up as you-know-what on hmm. this deal. You know, you-know-what. Guy. I don't, I'm not quite certain what. You know, we didn't rehearse this. We don't rehearse I see you can tell we don't they rehearse don't, a lot of things. Rehearse. It's, it's I mean, the folks clear. at home. It's I mean, pretty it's pretty clear. clear. But I'm with, I'm with, Disney wins. I think okay, Disney, Disney needs, wins. I think Disney needs these assets more than Comcast does. I think we've said that for a while. I also think this deal is probably going to go north of $80 billion because Comcast will come back. I think their game all along is to try to get Disney to pay up. With that said, Lionsgate. Lionsgate. Wow. wow. And we didn't, I'm telling you, we didn't like rehearse it. this thing. No. I mean, it's just, I, it's, obviously it's not a huge, it's not the deal of nearly the magnitude, but it's a nice tuck-in deal that probably makes sense on a lot well, of Do you think a lot of deals, do you think there's a lot of tuck-ins are going to happen? That like would that? make more sense yeah. to me. Yeah. Don't you think? Than these huge, huge yeah, giants, monstrous, giant things. history has shown that they actually don't work. Wait a second. That's, well, that's not oh, always the big true. Media match. Oh, the big ones. Here, you're doing like AOL. The little tuck-in ones can work really well. Work. Right. Oh, yeah. um, oh I didn't know you thought you were making fun of me again. I'm always on the defensive with <laughs> Maybe you. Maybe we Sorry. should know. <laughs> I, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Our next guest disagrees with the traders on the desk and believes that Comcast will win the battle for Fox. Joining us now is BTIG's Rich Greenfield. Uh, Rich, it's always great to speak with you. Um, why do you think Comcast is going to win? Well, first of all, I think there's this recurring theme that Disney has to have these assets if it wants to catch Netflix. And that's a little hard to understand when you consider the fact that Netflix hasn't bought a studio. Netflix hasn't bought international satellite distribution. There's just this narrative that's been created that Disney kind of has to have this in order to flourish in the future. Disney already makes great content. I think the, the challenge for Comcast is they are a vertically integrated media company in the U.S. They're trying to replicate that vertical integration all around the world. I can't figure out, Melissa, what other asset, and I think your traders were struggling uh, as you kind of pose this issue. There's nothing that looks like this, especially when you think about Comcast is, is well positioned in the U.S. They'd like to have a little bit bigger studio, but they really want to replicate this model of vertical integration all around the world. 
there's no other obvious path for them to take other than Fox and Sky. And so I think they're prepared to go meaningfully further. I think this battle hasn't gotten close to ending. I think you're going to see multiple shots still fired back and forth. Comcast is just not going to give up and roll over this easily. So in other words, if Disney wins, you think Comcast, there cannot be another deal which could get them even close to what they want to be. I think that's the real problem here. When you look at, like, European satellite, the European cable networks that, that Sky owns, the platform that they have across India, there's nothing that looks like this. And, and I think a really important point is Comcast isn't doing this to catch Netflix. They are really looking at this as we really like what we are in the U.S. Yes, there's more challenges, there's more competition in the U.S., but we'd really like to replicate this model we have in the U.S. all around the world. I don't see an easy path to doing that. Yeah, you could cherry pick assets here and there overseas, but there's no scaled acquisition opportunity like Fox and Sky for Comcast. I think, as you said yourself, like you think about Disney buying an Activision or Disney buying a Spotify or a Twitter. I think there's many paths for Disney to go within the, the alternatives. I think we're all struggling to figure out what would Comcast do because it's just not obvious. And I think that tells you that they're going to be able to go further than people think, especially because, you know, Brian Roberts is an owner. This is his company. He and his family built this. They're thinking out 30 to 40 years. So they're owners, not employees. And I think their time frame is going to be different than Disney's, is going to be different than their investors. They're going to look out further. It's Karen. Let me ask you something. Do you think, I know Disney has said we're not talking about carving up the assets, but do you think that is ultimately possible as the bidding goes higher and higher and each of them maybe think, well, you know what, this is too risky? I think when you looked at how Disney point blank attacked Brian Roberts and the Comcast team today, I, I think it's very hard to imagine the blood between these two companies just looks bad now. I mean, I think you've really set up a, an ongoing battle between Disney and Comcast, no matter what happens here, sitting around a table and carving up the assets. First of all, I think from an antitrust standpoint, probably just not possible. I think major U.S. studios sitting down to discuss carving up a third studio and all the other things that would go into that. I think just from a regulatory standpoint, I really think it's very hard to envision. Look, is there a scenario where Disney wins Fox, Comcast wins Sky, and then after the fact they carve up the assets? Not out of the realm of possibility, but I think we're not even close to that. I think right now it's, it's the goal is winner take all. Mm -hmm. And I think both companies certainly, I know Comcast has more capacity. I think Disney already raised their bid 35% from where they were paying. Is Disney willing to go further? I know Comcast has the capacity to go further. They have a very stable U.S. cable business. Doesn't have the growth it used to, but a very stable cash flow. And there's companies like Charter that are far more levered than Comcast. So I think the you know, banks are already comfortable lending to a cable business, a broadband business, at greater leverage than they ever have the entertainment business. Rich, before you go, we got to ask you about Netflix uh, sure. now at around 416 a share, hitting a new all-time high in today's session. Uh, does your view of Netflix change even at the margin if any of these deals get done? Do any of these deals pose any sort of challenge even at the margin to a Netflix? I think what's fascinating is we'll come back to where we started is here, you know, here's Disney trying to chase Netflix by buying legacy media. They're buying cable networks and satellite platforms rather than just investing. I mean, what, what Netflix has taught us and what you're seeing in Apple, Apple just did a big deal today where they're basically working with the Henson company to enter the kids programming arena for Apple's coming service. All you need is money and time and energy in terms of your investment in technology and content creation. I still can't figure out why Disney's not just blowing it out 
and spending a ton of money to build content and launching direct to consumer now, I don't know why the right answer is buying more legacy media companies like Fox. It seems like an odd decision. Now, obviously, they've made that decision. But I think if you're Netflix, you're far happier with Disney going out and buying legacy media than investing in really blowing out direct to consumer organically. And so I actually think th this battle and this fight that Disney's gotten into actually is, is a meaningful positive, especially because it's going to put a lot of leverage on Disney, which is going to hamstring them even more as they try to compete with Netflix. So I, I think this is honestly, this scenario is the best possible thing for Netflix stock. And presumably the best scenario is either a Disney prevails or a Comcast prevails because both increase the leverage. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then okay. I think, as you said, the loser is going to try to be on the hunt for something else. Sure. The loser is not just going to sit static. I think the loser has shown their hand that they're going to want to do something in a very scaled transaction way. All right. Rich, always great to speak with you. Thanks for your Thanks. time. Rich Greenfield of BTIG. Still ahead, another day, another Bitcoin hack rocking the crypto world. But could the price reaction in the major coins be signaling a Bitcoin bottom? Litecoin founder Charlie Lee will be here for a rare interview to explain why a summer moon boom could be on the way for the crypto world. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Another big crypto exchange hack today with South Korea-based BitThumb, the sixth largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world, announcing that over $30 million worth of cryptos had been stolen. But our crypto baller here, Brian Kelly, says things are different for Bitcoin this time around. He's over at the Plasma to break it down. Hey, Beeks. Hey, so it's kind of interesting what happened here. We've had quite a few hacks this year. It highlights the fact that these exchanges are still kind of the weak point here. And also, if you have your coins, to the best of the extent as you can, try not to hold them on exchanges for any period of time. Cold storage is always best. But let's look at what happened. We had a rebound in Bitcoin. And why did that happen? Well, a couple things that I noticed today. Number one, as soon as this happened, the exchange acted quickly. The news was out. They, they halted withdrawals. And they put everything into cold storage. Number two, they immediately said, you know what? Any of the losses, we have reserves. We are going to pay for them. Nobody loses money. And then number three, we're in a period of time here where the sellers in Bitcoin are somewhat exhausted. We've had a mini, I mean, a mini, mini uptrend. And I might be grasping at straws. We've had a mini uptrend. So let's look at what happened. So this is coming, bringing, bringing back coming out old school tape reading here. But look at what happened here. And I'm always looking for something different. January 27th, coin check hack. Look what happened here. All of a sudden, we had this huge drop after that. We come here, this was June 11th, coin rail hack. We still had a little bit of a drop there, but today we went up. So the old school trader in me says, you know what? Bad news, good price action. That's the first step in getting a bull market. All right, Beeks, um, why don't you come over to the desk? Oh, We're sure. going to bring in now the founder of one of the world's biggest cryptos to weigh in on all this. Charlie Lee is the founder of Litecoin, and he joins us now on the phone. Charlie, welcome to Fast Money. Great to have you on. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for having me. What's your take on, on what uh, the price action has been in cryptocurrencies, maybe Bitcoin specifically, and, and, and whether uh, traders have become inured to the news of, of all these hacks? Well, whenever there's an exchange hack, people get scared and uh, the price drops. It happens all the time. But the thing is, it doesn't really change the fundamentals of Bitcoin, like when other cryptocurrencies, because it's like if a bank gets uh, broken in and gold gets stolen, does that mean, does that affect the price of gold? It shouldn't. So same with Bitcoin. If the exchange doesn't protect their coins well enough and it gets hacked, it doesn't really change the fundamentals of the coin that they're protecting. 
You know, it's interesting because somebody else raised that exact same parallel in terms of if, if a bank got broken into and money got, got stolen. But uh, when it comes to a hack for cryptocurrencies, it really underscores the notion that perhaps not all of these systems, the infrastructures built around cryptocurrencies, have been secured because we're dealing with, secu with a security issue on exchanges, right? I mean, blockchain is incorruptible, but the security around these exchanges, it's not infallible. So... I mean, don't we need to see big strides in terms of the progress of the securities of these exchanges to really overcome that particular fear? We do. And we're kind of very early in, in crypto kind of time frame. So right now, I mean, exchanges are learning to better protect their customers' funds. I think we're getting better and better at it, but we still have a lot to improve. And um, this is kind of like a paradigm shift for, for personal finances. With Bitcoin and Litecoin, you have control of your own finances. So you're responsible if, of your own money. And if you put your coins in exchange, then uh, you have to trust the exchange to kind of uh, hold your money and protect it for you. So it's kind of a kind of a mental shift, and people just have to get used to that. They really need to protect their coins um, much more, uh, much better than traditional finances. Hey, Charlie, it's BK. Good, good to hear from you. Uh, I'm, I'm curious what hey, you think. We, we're all out there looking for what the catalyst is going to be for Bitcoin, for Litecoin, for these cryptocurrencies. What are you most excited about in the ecosystem right now? What I'm most excited about is, is Lightning Networks, right? Technically, Bitcoin has gotten stronger and stronger over, over the past few years. SegWit has activated. We're, developers are working hard on getting Lightning Network, which is a second-layer solution for payments um, working on Bitcoin and Litecoin. And that's been going on really well. But the price has dropped like 60, 70% over the past year. The price seems kind of um, disjointed from the actual um, development of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And I think that happens and that's fine. But over, over time, the price will, will adjust. I believe we're kind of in the bear market right now, but I have faith that the price will, will rebound and come back up fairly soon, actually. You know, folks like you, Charlie, folks like BK, you guys got in on it early. And so you can hodl this and you're fine. A lot of other retail investors who watch this program got into it a little bit later. Their cost basis was higher and they're sort of feeling the pain and wondering, where does this thing go at this point? You say we could be in a bear market. How long do you think this bear market could last, even with all of these technological advances to the system, to the network? Um, it's really hard to say. I've, I've been in this space for seven, eight years now, and I've seen bear markets last three to four years. And so um, this one could be a three to four year bear market or it could recover tomorrow. So that's why the, the market has been so fickle lately, because people just don't know if if we've hit the bottom already or is this just another long like two, three year bear market. So whenever there's some bad news like an exchange hack, the prices drop like five percent. 5% is a lot in the stock market world, but it's like nothing in, in crystal space. And today, just today, the reason why the price rebound is because there was a report of a third-party um, audit of Tether's mm -hmm. uh, finances, and they, they claim that they have the U.S. dollar backing the customer deposits. So the past like few years, people have been scared that uh, Tether has been printing um, their Tether coins out of thin air and right. buying Bitcoin with it, which which might be the cause of the last year's run-up. Hmm. And if they actually do have the USD backing, then that means that um, the run-up is 
created by real demand and not fake demand. Right. So that's really good news. So that's why the, the price rebounded. All right, Charlie, um, thank you so much for phoning in. We really do appreciate it. Um, Bitcoin bear market for a few years or maybe a recovery even tomorrow. I mean, that's that's, that's a hard framework in which to trade. And, and here's the thing. We don't have a lot of price history. The last time that we had a major kind of bear market that it feels like we are now was 2014. And that really took almost three years to get us back up. So that's what everybody's looking back at and saying. I think, you know, I'm a little, I'm incrementally more bullish than I was two or three weeks ago. We've had the SEC come out and clarify some of the regulations. Uh, this tether audit is actually really good for sentiment. We've seen some creations there. Um, and there's an awful lot going on in Asia. So you're starting to see a change. It's painful. Uh, but I think, you know, around six grand seems to be pretty decent support. All right. Beeks, good to see you. Thanks for dropping good by. Good to be here. All right, still ahead, Starbucks burning investors today. The stock sinking more than 9% to nearly two-year lows. But Pete here, who pitched the stock last night, says don't cry over spilled coffee. The stock is still a buy. He'll tell us what the why that is when Fast Money returns. You came in in April of uh, 2017. There have been four quarters that you have been presiding over. On three of those four quarters, you have cut your forecast. You're from Juniper. You understand technology. You know this isn't right. How could you be out of three out of four cutting your forecast? Kevin, you would be furious at yourself. I don't hear you even being upset. Jim, I said yesterday, you know, you know, clearly uh, the performance we've delivered has not met my expectations. It has not met our shareholder expectations. And I'm accountable to fix it. Now, I said that yesterday, and I believe in that. I believe the plan we put out uh, yesterday and shared with our investors is the right plan for the company. Now, Starbucks has been through these ebbs and flows before, and we always get through them. And we're going to get through this one as well. That was Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson earlier on Squawk on the Street talking about being accountable for the company's recent poor performance and his plans to get the company back on track. Of course, those comments falling on deaf ears. Starbucks shares tumbling 9% today despite the CEO's attempt at damage control after cutting its growth prospects and saying it will close 150 stores. So will Johnson be able to fix Starbucks' big cup of Woes. Uh, yeah. You pitched this last night, Pete. How do you feel? I did. I, I, I like the name, but unfortunately, obviously, I was too early because I didn't know this news was going to be coming out. It came out right as we were basically doing the show yesterday, and it was it was disturbing because not to, to me the 150 stores that they're closing here that doesn't really bother me. They've been doing 50 stores a year, and if they're underperforming, you got to get rid of them. It makes sense. Oversaturation, all the rest of it. What disturbs me right now is the po- the part that you're always pointing to. I'm always pointing China. to international China specifically. They've had nothing but great growth there. They, we all know the stats of 15 hours, every 15 hours a new Starbucks is built. But you know what? The fact that they're struggling there is concerning. And, and that was something that was not really known until recently that they were having that big a struggle that they've got in China because that's where you're pointing to. For me, it's like Nike. I look over and what they're doing in the right. Asian markets. That's been a strength. There are names that that's where you're looking for, and Starbucks is one of and them. And the turn was dramatic. Three quarters ago, comp store sales were up 8%, 8%. in China, and then yep. you go to, no, to basically no growth. So what is this stock? I mean, Kevin Johnson says growth at scale. What the heck does that mean for valuation? I don't know what that means. I'm not, as I said earlier in the show, I'm not that bright. You've all come to learn that over the years, and I'll say it again. But what I will say is this, and we talked about it. At 20 times forward earnings, given their growth rate, valuation doesn't make sense. Tim compared to McDonald's. 
I don't think that's a good comparison, but that's what makes markets. With that said, if you look where it stopped today-ish, this is where we sort of bottomed out last July. So we talked about it last night. At 52, I thought it was interesting. Well, there you go. Coming up, Stitch Fix getting a boost today on rumors. Oprah was taking a stake in the company. And that has some traders making huge bets on the stock. We've got all the details. Plus, a check on our Kramer cam as we head to break. The Madman taking a deep dive into General Electric as it got booted from the Dow. All that and much more. Top of the hour. Check out shares of Stitch Fix surging today following rumors that Oprah Winfrey was taking a stake in the company and Oprah rep denying the rumors. But it didn't stop options traders from betting on more gains ahead. Dan, what'd you see? Yeah, so easy to get, uh, you know, a stock like this going, 20% short interest. It's up 50% in just in the last couple of weeks. Options volume is three times average daily volume. Interestingly enough, the most active call strike was the July 30th. That was the prior high. About 4,000 of those traded an average of about a buck 33, playing for a little bit of a breakout here. But obviously the denial of that that rumor kind of hurts this trade a little bit. But a lot of these recent IPOs are doing very, very well right now, especially those with high short interest. So it's a kind of tough trade to fade at this moment. Oh, thanks, Dan. He's really trying to redeem himself with this trader fade. <laughs> I love Dan. We all love Dan. <laughs> um, for more options action, check out the full show. That's Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Up next, we have the final trade. Stay tuned. the 80s classic breaking to electric bugaloo but guy Dime is kicking the you know what out of that gopher from caddyshack in an all-out dance-off that is tearing up twitter you can vote yeah it's a vote <laughs> i All thought right. i was dancing in real time couldn't figure it out there's like how was up there the craziest thing guy you can dance too look at that it's like dance with myself you know Top of the show, trade it or fade it. We talked about Facebook. Facebook, I saw some activity in there today. I bought into that. I think the stock's going higher. Idiot. Chairwoman. Yes, bank. C-Card coming two parts tomorrow and next week. Long Bank America. Dan? Yeah, if they can't rally on C-Card, you sell Ooh. them. And then as BK says, you sell them again. And you just became a Mimi. An internet a Mimi. <laughs> Final trade, Me please. and me. Final I'm trade. Just, I'm just going to keep or doing I'm this. I'm going to go to the gold Gift. Halliburton. <laughs> Whoops, there it is. <laughs> What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.